This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are talking politics and religion without killing each other. I am your host, Corey Nathan, and I am so grateful to have a place to talk about faith and politics and all these big ideas in our culture with all kinds of interesting, accomplished folks of goodwill in good faith. It is an honor to announce that our program is now part of the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts that examines what's broken in our democracy and how we can work together to fix it. And I have a feeling we're going to be doing some of that today, examining what's broken in our little world here and and how we can work together, together to fix it. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done that already. Hit the subscribe button or some apps have it as like a follow button. So do that. Um, give us a good rating if you you know if you like what we're doing here just like leave four stars five stars it really does help and if you write a little review that's even more helpful because it helps us rise in the ranks so other people can find out what we're doing here uh, you can find us online our main site is politicsandreligion.us with the and spelled out politicsandreligion.us or you can feel free to connect with me on all the social media apps uh, I'm on a lot of them. Some of them I don't even realize I'm on. <laughs> but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Post News. Um, I am at Corey S. Nathan. That's Corey with an E. C-O-R-E-Y-S is in Sam Nathan, at Corey S. Nathan. Like I said, all that helps get the word out so more people can join in this conversation, just like the one I'm having today with my buddy, my hometown pal, John DeRoyan. John and I grew up together in central Jersey, Bruce Springsteen country. I, are you still Are you a Bruce fan or not? I'm a, I'm a Jersey fan. So anything out of Jersey, I got to love. Blues so Traveler, Bruce. Jersey, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. uh, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Sinatra. <laughs> Corporal. There you go. There you go. All right. So uh, we see each other now and then uh, at reunions and stuff like that. But we also stay in touch online. What I've appreciated about John is that there's often stuff we disagree about. Uh, John's not shy about saying what he disagrees with, but he's always respectful. And I really respect that. Um, not only that, sometimes he shares a perspective I hadn't considered. So I'm grateful for when he pipes in and I wow, I didn't think of it that way. Uh, I'm grateful for him being candid and on stuff we disagree about, but also every once in a while, John's open to something that I say that he hadn't considered. And I, you know, I find that's all too rare. So I really appreciate, uh, being connected with John. I wanted to bring him on the program to see if we can, you know, what, what the program is talk about politics and religion, not killing each other. So John, how you doing, man? It's so good to see you. I'm doing great, man. It's good to be here. It's yeah. good to be here. Thanks for taking the time. So, you know, I, I thought a good way to start would be if, um, you know, folks can get a sense of who you are, uh, if you could share a little bit about where, you, where we grew up, what kind of work you do, your family situation, whatever else you like to, whether you're a Yankee fan, Mets fan, whatever you want to share with us. <laughs> Isn't everybody supposed to be a Yankee fan? That's like, oh, you're shit. Not a Yankee fan. we're going to have to stop doing? this interview before it yeah, starts. You know, it starts there. Yankee love over here. So um, I'm still here in central Jersey. You know, I live uh, only less than a mile from where I grew up in Manalapan. I'm in Marlboro Township. And uh, central Jersey is an actual place. Some people don't know it exists, but it's not South Jersey and it ain't North Jersey. It's right here in the middle, close to the shore. Um, I still uh, I still live in the area. I grew up in the area. I work in Brooklyn. I'm in construction, you know, blue collar. Um and I just love it here. You know, I love I love growing up in Jersey and I love staying here. You know, it's where my roots are. Yeah. And uh, it's where I feel comfortable. Yeah. No. Every time I go back, I, I miss it so much, you know, so whether it's just something just like the green on the trees or the smell of the air, you know, you could from where we were growing up, you could you could almost smell the Atlantic Ocean. We were so close to it. Well, the only thing you're smelling today is forest fires from Canada. But so today oh, wouldn't be a good day for that. But. For the most part, that's that's what it is. That Jersey air, that shore air. Yeah, yeah. How are you dealing with it? Are are you just staying inside, or how, how are people dealing with that smoke? Well, you know, people are back to running around New York with masks because I work in Brooklyn, so everybody's in a mask today. I don't know that the mask is helping. We're not. Maybe we'll get into that. Maybe we won't. But um, it's uh, it's wild. You know, this morning it wasn't so bad, but you know, my office is next to my construction site, and all of a sudden the sky just got yellow. It's like it, it looks like red dawn out there it's literally crazy and thank god people are posting about it on facebook so you know if they didn't do that we wouldn't have any idea what's going on you know everyone's posting on facebook like hey did you see the sky like yeah i can see the sky 
but it's wild. You know, I'm sure you guys deal with this with the with the uh, forest fires and, and, and the brush fires you got out there, but it's pretty nutty right now. I never seen like it. Yeah, no, some days are better than others. Depending on where the where the fires are, you just got to kind of avoid it and, you know, do the best you can to uh, be able to breathe. But otherwise, you're healthy, your family's healthy, everybody's good. I'm living good, man. I'm living a good life. You know, good. I got... I'm a, I'm a sober guy now. You know, I got five years sobriety, so I'm living healthy. You know, I got my, uh, I live a, 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 I try to live in a, you know, a spiritual type way. I still have that, you know, Jersey grind to me, but I just try to stay, you know, level keeled as much as possible and, you know, eat good, go to the gym, you know, stay on top of the things I need to stay on top of, you know, and it keeps me at peace. And when you're at peace, life tends to be a little better. Yeah. Sober five years. That's quite an accomplishment. Is that part of what brought you to uh, kind of a spiritual outlook or? So the thing with the thing with sobriety is, is, is sobriety isn't really about drugs and alcohol. Sobriety is you know, alcoholism and drug addiction is a, a disease of the mind. You know, alcohol and drugs is just a symptom, you know, so not drinking and being sober are two very different things. Sobriety is like a place of spirituality where you have faith in a higher power and you believe that no matter what is going on in your life, you're going to get through it. Okay. As long as you don't pick up a drink or a drug. So when you put, you know, you, when you have faith in something bigger than you, it really takes the worry out of my life. Yeah. You know, I, I have less stress. I don't, I, I have to figure if, if, you know, God got me here for a reason. And if I don't, if I can't, if I haven't figured out what that reason for is now, then I probably won't ever. And I, I, I figured out it's, it's to carry the message, you know, to other alcoholics and, 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 and people afflicted with, with drug addiction. So as long as I stay, you know, where I feel I'm needed, um, you know, my life's easy. And when I start to stray, then my life gets difficult. And I realize when I try to take control of my life, my life gets difficult. When I stay out of the way of my life and I just let it happen like it's supposed to, then everything's peace and love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, that that is evident in the way that you um, engage with me online. Because a lot of people who come from different points of view or watch different news sources or whatever, they immediately come with their dukes up. And you have this really uh, great way of, sharing your differences without being, you know, uh, how do they say it? Uh, sharing how, how you disagree without being disagreeable, you know? Um, but so I really respect that about you, but w one thing I was curious about and feel free like to tell me to fuck off. It's none of my business, but, um, but what brought you to that point of feeling like, uh, you needed to get sober. You needed to be rid of that in, in your life. Was, was there a certain breaking point or. Yeah. So it was, um, it was, um, March 31, 2018, and it came in the form of my daughter, you know, saying that she didn't want to be with me no more. Mm. And um, it was the realization at that moment that, you know, I hadn't done a good job as a father. You know, um, I was the rock in my daughter's life, even being affected with, with drug addiction. I was always the more stable one, if you can imagine that, you know. And it was at that moment where my daughter said, uh, you know, I don't want to be with you anymore. You know, you've been telling me for a long time now you're going to change. And I just don't believe you. You know, I'm too young to even know what this is. I'm just going to stay with mom. And I just pictured her literally looking at her phone, needing me at some point in my life and realizing that she, she didn't have her father there and she was alone. And that is the exact feeling I had growing up. And, and that was the, the moment where I said, you know, I need to make a permanent change within myself, you know, because these quick fixes, these outside fixes, you know, these temporary fixes ain't going to do it no more. And it was at that moment that, you know, I really committed to uh, a program of sobriety and gave my life over to, to, to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, up until that point, I'd spent 15 years in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous um, and just it just wasn't it wasn't working for me, you know, for various reasons. But. You know, that was the moment where it really, you know, changed for me when I when I thought of her. I was in a hotel, you know, and I, I literally was supposed to pick her up and take her to the movies. And I couldn't make it to the movies without going in that hotel room and getting high while leaving her in the car. You know, and that's that's the reality of who I had become. And that was the reality of who her father was. And I didn't want that for her, you know. And um, so that was the moment that changed. You know, then as I got into it, you know, I seen, you know, how. Um, how much God had played a part in my life and how lucky I was to be where I was and that, that my life really had a purpose. And I, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand, you know, growing up why I had all these things that I didn't like about myself. But now when I use them in sobriety, it all makes sense. You know, I'm able to use my life to help other people. So I found meaning, 
you know, through sobriety. It's funny. The thing that is the one thing that hurt me the most is the one thing that helps me the most now. You know, I think that's, you know, true with a lot of people. Yeah, it's like kryptonite. It can be your greatest mm-hmm. asset or your greatest, uh, you know, weakness or, or what have you. So you mentioned your daughter. How, how, uh, how old is she and how's your relationship with her now? My daughter's 19. We are like, we're so close, you know. She's everything um, to me and um, she's so much like me except for the one thing she doesn't have is I don't see that disease in her, you know. Thank God for that because um, it would be difficult for me to have to raise someone like me. So thank God I don't have to do that with her. But, you know, she's a lot of fun. She's a she's a Jersey girl. And, um, you know, we laugh a lot. She's always with me. She lives with me. And, um, you know, life's really good. Life's really good. Thank God. And uh, as long as I stay sober, that's how it'll be. Yeah. But believe me, if there's if there's a moment I don't answer the phone, you know, she'll text me. Where are you? Why are you not answering the phone? You know, a lot of damage was done through those years. So I got to stay uh, on top of my game, you know, for me and for her. It's it, you sound like you almost approach uh, your sobriety like an athlete, you know, like uh, I, I've, I've seen you talk a little bit about you working out and stuff. The what, hearing you talk about your sobriety, you're approaching it like, you know, like an athletic uh, endeavor. It's you know, it's a challenge. It's a, you embrace it. You know, it's funny you say that because I, I, I use analogies a lot with, with people I sponsor and I use the analogy of a boxer. You know, the first thing you learn as a boxer is a left jab. You don't stop working on a left jab because, you know, all of a sudden now you're Floyd Mayweather. You got to continually to work at it. You know, when it comes to the disease of alcoholism, it doesn't take time off. This isn't cancer. This is a disease of the mind. It's not a physical disease where you could say, okay, it's not in you no more. So I'm always alcoholic. I will die alcoholic. So I, I never know when I'm going to need my program. I never know when I'm going to be faced with a, an opportunity to use drugs or something might happen where it could spiral me out of, out of control. So I always have to be, you know, um, prepared for that moment. And if so if I don't treat it like an athlete treats, you know, going into the NBA files or whatever it have, may be, you know, I'm in trouble. I, you know, I have to work at it constantly because if not, it's just waiting for me to come back to it. It doesn't go away. You yeah. know, I only keep it at remission because I stay so um, I stay so active in 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 my sobriety. So you, you've already talked about. I was going to ask another question. You've already talked a little bit about this. I was going to ask you, like, what's important to you? You talked about your daughter. You've talked about your sobriety. Um, what are some of the other things that you value the most? Like um, your values. Like what? When I say your values, what comes to mind? What's high on your list? So uh, the biggest value I have now is using my, my life for a purpose. You know, that's the number one thing. You know, my sobriety is a gift. And sobriety is a gift that is is not to be taken. It's to be given. You know, so that's the, that's the number one thing I value is using my life experiences to help others. You know, the other thing is, you know, trying to, you know, in sobriety, I get to, you know, deal with people on a human level and get the, we, you know, see, in sobriety, I don't have to deal. I've learned, you know, when you say I have respect, I learned how to talk to people of different races, cultures, religions, uh, political views, and and we keep those to the side because we have a common goal. You know, we seem to have lost that in the world. You know, so if somewhere on the line of of doing this righteous thing of of you know trying to help people get sober, you know, you could make some differences. You know, in, in other people, you know, it'd be great to to do that. You know, we're in like such a volatile time in this world. It used to not be like that. You know, you used to be able to disagree with people and still get along. It's not the case anymore. You know, it's like if someone disagrees with you, it's like all of a sudden we got to be enemies or something, you know? Well, you're, you're proving the opposite of that. You're proving that you can disagree. You know, we've certainly had our disagreements, but uh, I really appreciate hanging out with you, whether it's just stuff we're typing, you know, to each other or, or doing something like this. I, I really appreciate it. And for you can better, you can bet your ass next time I'm in Jersey or Brooklyn or wherever, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know in advance. Uh, cause, uh, I was going to say, I we're going to go get a beer, but we're not going to get a beer. We'll get a, go get a soda. <laughs> you can get a beer. I'll drink the Red Bull. And it's funny when you're in the bar drinking Red Bull, all the drunk people are telling you those things are going to kill you, man. Those things are going to kill you. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> kind of like a drunk guy in Atlantic City telling you how the Red Bull is going to kill you. He just lost 10 grand at the crap table and he's sucking down his fifth Jack and Coke, you know? I thought you weren't going to tell people about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you just described my Saturday night. I'm just <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so, okay. So uh, you're someone, uh, you certainly think a lot about certain political issues. You care a lot about certain social issues. Um, 
I was curious over the course of your life, how did you start to develop your, you know, your, your political leanings now and, and, and where you stand on different issues? How did, how did that start to develop for you? You know, it's funny. Um, it comes from life experience, you know, um, it, I didn't grow up learning much about politics. You know, my mother was always like a right to lifer. or, you know, we were church people, but that was never like big in my life. You know, we didn't really talk about, um, race, religion, politics, and that thing, because, you know, where we grew up in central Jersey, it was like, most people were the same, you know, most of the town was like, uh, blue collar, white people. We just played outside. If there were people different, we really didn't talk about it. It was, everyone was about the same back then. So I didn't really know about like other, you know, um, types of people or other religions and things of that nature. You know, uh, we didn't grow up like that. You know, I think the, but back when we were kids, it was more like Catholic Jewish was like the jokes and stuff like that. You know, you had the Mammoth Heights development was the Jewish development. Marlboro was the Jewish town, you know, Manalpin was the, the Catholic town. And it was, it was, it was just different, but then through life experiences, you know, and then growing up and then a lot of it, you know, came when, you know, as I got older and, and news, you know, seeing what was going on in the world and just seeing, you know, how the, the divisiveness started, um, you know, and uh, just seeing, you know, the direction that the country was going. It's almost as if now, Corey, I think people are so volatile because people are so forced to take a stand now, you know, like everything's jammed down everyone's throat. We didn't grow up like that. You know, you could just be a kid. Kids can't even be kids now. Everybody got to take a stand on something. And if you take a stand on the left, you're this. If you take a stand on your right, you're this. If you want someone in the bathroom, he's suing. If you don't let him in the bathroom, he's suing. Everybody's forced now to be somebody, you know, it's brought politics is so mainstream that even my kids, unfortunately, had to get involved in it. COVID brought a lot of things to the table. You know, when people started seeing what was going on in schools and being, you know, told, no, you have to take this shot or you have to wear this mask or you can't go here. People started to say, like, wait a minute, you know, like, I'm really not in control of my life anymore. You know, it was happening. People were just blind to it. You know, now it's just, you know, like, people are really into politics now more than I think than ever. You, you make a really good point, because um, when the vaccines started coming out, um, I got three kids. One of my kids, the, the the older of the two boys, the middle one, he um, he. It wasn't like he was against taking the shot. He his his position initially was just, I just want to wait. You know, it hasn't yeah. been approved by FDA. I just yeah. want to wait. But to your point, what happened was uh, other people in our family, including me, like I had a strong reaction against it because I really wanted him to take get the vaccine. But we didn't treat him right. We didn't we, we like, you know, kind of tried to um, make him feel guilty and made him feel stupid for even thinking that way. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, part, I'm I was part of the problem. And to your point, like what that did was it forced him to take a stand on something. And, and he dug his heels in that much more because, you know, all the people that were uh, telling him to take the shot were being assholes about it. So it, it almost forced him to take a stand on it, as opposed to what I think his initial um, outlook was like, hey, I don't want to be a science experiment. Let me just wait and see. I'm young. You know, uh, I'm not taking unnecessary risks in the first place. So, you know, let me just see how it plays out. and Let me see if it, uh, you know, get passes the FDA. That was his initial stance. He was more open minded to it but because everybody beat him up over it. He was like, fuck you, you know, like, leave me alone. You know, then, then he took a stand, a much stronger stance on it. So. I think a lot of times we do more harm than good by by forcing everybody into camps. It's like, you know, uh, I, I read a story today about different companies like Target and Walmart putting up, uh, you know, pride T-shirts or whatever, you know, and it's like, I don't know, I, I they should be able to like uh, have stuff if people feel uh, proud about being gay or whatever, like they should be able to, to go into Walmart and buy a T-shirt about it, you know, um, it shouldn't become like that, that big of an issue, but um, I, I was, I was curious also, would you, so it's funny you say that I'm going to touch on that. The okay. thing with that Corey is it's not that people have a problem with gay. Right? I have three gay nieces right now. I don't know if they're gay. They're gay now. Let me say that they're gay now. And are they, are they truly gay or are they gay because they are using it to fit in, find comfort? I don't want to say too much about them because, you know, um, I don't know who will listen. Right. But, you know, I found comfort in drugs. Right. Um, some people find comfort in things for a lot of reasons. You know, are they truly gay or is it just a way for them to fit in? I have a funny feeling two of my nieces will be married with kids. Personally, I don't think it's a forever thing. Right. So I don't have no problem, you know, with people experimenting, living life. However, the thing is, like, 
when I go to a sporting event, right, I don't want to see BLM. When I go to Target, I don't I just want to go and shop without having things thrown in my shirt. I don't want to have to be involved in politics everywhere. You know, people just want to be left alone is what it is. It's not that people have a problem with gay. It's like now you 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 now it's like, well, I don't want to deal with this here. You understand what I'm saying? Like it's just getting thrown in everyone's faces everywhere. And people are just starting to be like, yo, like it started like with the vaccine. You're telling me what I have to do. You're telling me I have to feel like this. You're telling me I have to let this happen. I don't want to. And now because I don't want to, you call me a racist. You call me a bigot. You're calling me, you know, a sexist. You're calling me all these things. And people are just getting pissed off. So now every time something happens, everybody has a reaction. It's like when my father used to come in, we're already we're already tense the second this car pulls up because we're so used and so programmed to what's going to happen when he walks in the door. People are just on edge because every, everything's so political. People don't want politics everywhere they go. You know, it's just like it's making people just be mad all the time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I fully agree with uh, with what you're saying, but I will say this. Like, I'm trying to relate it to some of my own experience and like if I go to the grocery store, for example, I'm just going there to pick up some apples, you know, like right. whatever, celeries, whatever. I'm going there to get some soda. I don't know. I don't want my trip to the grocery store to become about, you know, some 20 foot let's go Brandon flag being waved in my face. <laughs> you know, I, I, and I see I agree with you, too. Yeah, I agree with it on both ways. Like, I, I, I agree with it on both sides. I don't want politics anywhere in a lot of places, either side. You know, I don't like January 6th, but I also don't like Antifa. I'm with you. I don't want it on either side. I don't think either side's right or wrong. You know, I believe people should live the life the way they want. Everyone should be left alone. If you want to be gay, if you want to be transsexual, if you want to be straight, you want to marry your brother. Me personally, you should be left alone to do what you want. You know, I don't have a problem with how people choose to live their life. You know, I'm just I'm just saying that people are just being like, you know, everyone's labeled now. You know, it's like the evil society, you know. I was curious if you would label yourself a certain way. Like, are you a hardcore Trump supporter? Are you hardcore Fox News watcher or hardcore anything? Or you lean a certain way? And and how would you identify yourself? I'm definitely more on the Fox side. I'm definitely less a Trump guy than I was because he's just now he's really starting. He's just crazy. You know, I definitely agree with him a lot, a lot. Uh, I'm probably more of the Santa's guy than anybody. You know, if I had to pick one, that's probably who I, who I go with. I think he's more how I would say my politics align. You know, it's definitely more on the Republican side. I'm pretty socially like like easygoing with certain things, but I get why people aren't. You know what I mean? I, um, you know, I grew up going to the limelight and stuff like that. All the stuff that people are doing don't bother me. Gay and all that. We used to have the gay pride parades. Like that stuff don't bother me. You know, um, but I'm definitely more on the uh, Republican side, the dissent side. I'm not a big fan of like the MSNBC or the CNN review or those, those types of uh, those programs. What are some of the things that somebody like a Trump or a DeSantis, it sounds like you gravitate more towards say that, that you agree with or positions that you agree with. And, and then what are some of the things that you might hear on a program like the view or MSNBC that you really disagree with? Um, the COVID stuff was a big thing, you know, we, you know, here in New York, we had parades for nurses and then the next day said, get a vaccine or we're firing you. Now, I don't believe any of the science. I don't believe the mass work. I don't believe the vaccine work. Like when you're telling me the vaccine is going to cure it and it doesn't, you're telling me that a mask really doesn't stop it from spreading, but I got to wear it everywhere. You know, I don't believe in taking away people's freedoms. I never remember a time in this country where healthy people were quarantined in the house to the point where like you couldn't even go to a public park. You know, that kind of stuff. I'm definitely not for any of the stuff that's being, um, you know, put on in the schools, whether it be I don't know so much everything about critical race theory. I know a little bit about it, but, you know, like even like a lot of this stuff with like, you know, the the, the women in sports. I'm not a big fan of the transgender in sports, um, you know, that stuff, the books in the libraries, you know, um, a lot of that stuff, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really not, not for a lot of the racial stuff that's going on and, and stuff like that. You know, I just tend to think in, in like Florida, for instance, they got it right on a lot of issues. Like, I don't, I don't really want my kids in school other than to learn reading, math, and arithmetic. You know, I don't really see why a fourth grade teacher would be talking to a seventh year old, seven year old about anything. You know, I get it. I get it. Some of these things are difficult, you know, like you can't talk to your parents about it, but I don't think the fourth grade teacher is the play. I don't even know why that's even a conversation to me. If you're talking to a, a fourth grader about things like that, that's just weird, you know? So 
Um, you know, a lot of that stuff probably more aligns with, with how I feel than, you know, and then there's everything's going on now, legal immigration and, you know, all this stuff that's going on. It's a wild time in this world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And listen, I think some of that is perception because a lot of those conversations like teaching, you know, uh, sex ed in third grade or second grade or whatever, it wasn't really going on in the first place, but I think people reacted to it because like a kid shows up who has two dads or two moms it's almost like, oh, I can't say that I actually have two two moms, and that second grader is all of a sudden really confused. That's the context I think it would come mm-hmm. up, you know. Or uh, teachers, history teachers, feeling like, wait, w- w- can we not teach about slavery? Could like, uh, can we not teach about, uh, you know, w- what what happened to prompt some of the civil rights uh, marches and stuff? Um, you know, do we have to take Tony Morrison off the bookshelves in high school? You know, so I think a lot, I think what a lot of people react to, and I think this is what you're reacting to is the excesses of somebody they disagree with. So where I would disagree with the excesses of overreaching and saying, no, you can't teach, uh, I'm being hyperbolic now, but you can't teach about slavery. Like that would be an overreach, right? But not being able to teach about Rosa Parks, uh, not being able to say that, that she wasn't allowed to sit in the front of the bus and that was a big issue that 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 was actually a discussion that was actually you know uh to it, it was specified in a curriculum i think that's an excess you know where you and i would also agree though uh, i'm sure is that excesses of of other people who have other issues where you know and uh they want to block a certain speaker that comes from like the conservative legal movement you know a certain speaker coming on a, a college campus and they want to block that that speaker because he horrible yeah yeah so that's where i think horrible. you and i would agree but i think what we're what we're, what we're um but reacting we should be learning american history we should but we also can't rewrite history right no. like we can't we can't say like well okay well now we have to take listen certain stuff listen i don't listen I don't know why we have Confederate statues in this country. If 500,000 people died, we fought the Confederate. You know, that'd be like putting a, a, an Adolf Hitler statue. I don't know why these things were ever up. I'm, I'm that I'm cool with. But uh, Christopher Columbus, I mean, we lived in a period of time in this world where there was slavery. There was yeah. slavery since the beginning of time. That doesn't go away. It doesn't make, you know, it doesn't. I mean, am I going to re- take away somebody's all the things they did because they had slaves in a period when slavery was was legal? I'm not saying it was right. That's where people get screwed up. You people think because we say it happened that we're okay with it. You you, you could be both. You could not be okay with it, but it was a part of history. And now it's like because somebody did this, we have to write off everything they did. And that's the stuff I'm against. Rosa Parks did more to help people than I think some of the black leaders today. She should be talked about, you know, people like that. But it's like you said, the excess is like if somebody wants to go to a college camp and speak, let him speak. This is what America that's the number one thing of America, freedom of speech. You can't do that in other countries. We've gotten away from that. When I see like Mike Pence, who I'm not such a fan of, go to a college and they turn around and walk out. It's so disrespectful to me. The same as they did it to the same the same as they quiet, puppy, quiet. The same as they did with with Eric Adams. Like, I don't even know. Like, I would never do something like that. Governor Murphy spoke at my son's college at Rutgers. I'm not a huge fan. Am I going to boo the guy? It's horrible that that stuff's going on. Like, we've lost the ability to listen to others, you know, and, and, and hear what they're having to say. Because I might not agree with a lot of things that other people talk about, but I also didn't grow up where they grew up. And I wasn't taught the things they were taught. You know, if you go to Israel and Palestine, they have very strong opposing views. They might not even know some of the things, why they feel that way, but that's how they're taught. So what are you going to tell them? You know, like it's very hard to, to to get people to see or listen to a point of view when it's been embedded in them since the beginning of time. Like this is how things are, you know? So if we can't listen to one another, we can't go. We, we're not getting anywhere. And that's why we have what we have, you know, today. So <laughs> speaking of that, I wanted to uh, go back to like what prompted this, uh, some of our conversations. Um a few times it's it's often on Facebook. We're both on Facebook, so oftentimes you're you're dropping a comment on Facebook. Yeah, I'm a Facebook troll. I like to start <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> I always I always love hearing from you, man, because I'm like, oh man, he's gonna make me think. He's gonna make me work for this. Um, so uh, I, and genuinely, you, you want to yeah. know the worst one I've ever had on Facebook? There was a woman who posted about she had extra breast milk in her fridge. If anyone wanted it, and I said, lady, who the hell? would want your breast milk for their baby. Oh my God, you have no idea the war that went on. And I was getting, 
messages from both sides. People call me horrible names. People saying that's disgusting. I would never give it to my kids. So if you want to instigate some trouble, just go on Facebook. You could you could get a lot of uh, oh my god that one that one went on for like a good week. Yeah, I was like oh my god, what did I start? People got views, man, for sure. And you know the social media has opened up people. And that's the other thing. When you asked me earlier how, how I got into this stuff, social media opened up a part of this. You know, back in the day, only really liberal people or you know, African-American people really went out and protested. You know, now there's a lot of voices being heard because of social media. People that would normally sit quiet, you, you hear from now. Everyone can push their view. You know, so everyone's views out there. Yeah. Yeah. I have certain rules I try to stay within. Like, I, I won't. I'll try to avoid getting into a conversation with somebody I don't have some sort of relationship with. Mm-hmm. I especially will try not to respond to somebody who doesn't even put their name to their their opinions. It's like if you have if, if you want to post your opinion, you want to be part of the conversation, put your name to it, you know, get standing on you, what you're saying. So um, I, I'm just going to read one or two of these and we, we can decide to go over it and see if we can work it out or not. Um, all right. So. I said something, I don't know if this is my whole comment. I said, I, oh, it was a whole like uh, paragraph that I wrote on Facebook not too long ago. And it, it was about when I hear friends refer to an entire political group or anyone they identify with that group it, with like in, in bad ways, like uh, pejorative, you know, with, with pejoratives, all those MAGA, you know, people, all those, you know, libtards, you know. So I, I, I wrote something about that and um, you, I think you largely agreed with me. This is what you said. It used to be people could have different views and still be friends, or at least civil and social, but not anymore. It's a shame. I can't stand anything about Liz Cheney. Wait, hold on a second. Why can't you stand Liz Cheney? Is it just because uh, she was on the committee? Yeah, you know, she's like, I can't remember everything because my memory's so shot. But like, she's like, I don't know, man. You know, like. Her father was like a warmonger, and I just don't think she aligned with anything. Yeah, and the committee, I, I wasn't a big fan of the committee, to be honest with you. I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of January 6th, but I wasn't a big fan of her. I think she kind of like, listen, you got to have some loyalty to your party. You know, she did a lot of damage, and I don't think she aligned. I don't have an exact, I can't give you right now exact, you know, reasons of what it was because so many, you know, ideas going in my head, but. You know, I was I wasn't a big fan about how she went about her business. You know, I don't think she should have um, broken with her party and went on a committee based on the fact of they disqualified people. I don't think she was the one to speak for the Republican Party in in that she had obviously a right to speak. But I don't think she was speaking for her party. I think she was just, you know, um, you know, stepping on there with her own personal agenda. You know, I don't think she was the right person to be on that panel. I think when they, uh, you know decided they weren't going to have, you know, the people the Republicans put up. Nobody should have went up from the Republican side because she gave credence to that panel based on, you know, her view, which wasn't the view of most people in the Republican Party. You know, not all, but, um, you know, she made them be able to say, oh, we had a, uh, a party of Republicans and Democrats. When in reality, it was, you know, she was a very small sliver of, you know, just like if AOC went on a panel, I wouldn't hold the whole Democratic Party, you know, um, again, you know, to, to what she had to say. She's a small fraction of that party. So I just think she gave credence, you know, to and I think a lot of it had to do with her own, you know, personal, uh, you know, hatred of Trump. Yeah. Are you open to me pushing back on that a little bit? Push, bro, push. OK, so one is uh Liz Cheney has a very impeccable conservative voting record in Congress she voted in fact not just conservative but with Trump over 90 percent of the time she has yeah. a more conservative um tr- uh, voted along with Trump over 90 percent of the time and some of the leaders in the party now like Elise Stefanik up in New York uh who's I think third in line in, in Republican leadership she she voted with him ba- barely over 70 percent of the time so Liz Cheney had a much more conservative voting actual voting record than than some of the leaders now the other thing that i think about the committee a lot of folks forget that um john katko a republican uh, also a new york republican congressman he was charged with negotiating the terms of the committee at first and what he put together initially um I, it wasn't with uh, pelosi pelosi kind of gave one of her lieutenants the opportunity to negotiate with katko um 
And they found a compromise that looked a lot more like the 9-11 Commission that would have had much better representation from both Republicans and Democrats. But what happened was um, uh, Kevin uh, McCarthy, basic, he, he said, go negotiate it, and here's what we want. CATCO basically got everything that McCarthy was asking for, but then he got pushback from, the, from his right. He got pushback from the Jim Jordans of Congress. And after Katko went and got everything McCarthy asked him to get, he said, no, forget it. We're not going to participate in this thing. Um, so then that's when Pelosi stepped in and said, OK, I, you know, she was a speaker at that time. She crafted the the um, the outlines of what the committee was going to look like. Um, and, and even then they had the opportunity to put Republicans on the committee. But what he did was he put guys that were like like Jim Jordan on the committee that were, you know, under suspicion of, of participating or at least aiding the insurrectionists. And she's like, I, look, we can have Katko on the committee. We can have Cheney. We can have Kinzinger, but we can't have people who aided insurrectionists on the committee. So it, it looked like it was one-sided in a way. It's kind of a fair criticism, but if, if McCarthy just did what he said he was going to do and take Katko, the Republicans uh, negotiated terms, it would have been a much more balanced uh, committee. And still, still they had, everybody wants to say that like Kinzinger and Cheney aren't r- real Republicans. Both of those guys had over 90% voting records, 92 to 94%. I forget which I'm one I'm not saying they weren't Republicans. I'm just saying they weren't the right people for that panel based on, you know, their feelings towards the president. It was uh, just, it was just, they both, uh, I forget if Kinzinger voted for him in, um, in tw- uh, actually, no, now that I remember, uh, both Cheney and Kinzinger voted for, for Trump. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Where are they now? Doesn't where they are now say all it needs to be said about how Republicans feel about their participation in that panel? It's more a reflection of today's Republican Party, which I don't think is a reflection of real conservatism. Um, <laughs> I think, I think it's more of a, uh, it, yeah, it's it's the, the party doesn't represent so much a set of uh, values and principles so much as like what I think of as oppositional politics. We don't really care about X, Y and Z. I think Cheney and Kinzinger have clear conservative principles, but they didn't buy into if they're against it, I'm for it. If they're for it, I'm against it. Oppositional politics. So that's why there's not a clear set of, of um, beliefs. Uh, you know, a year from now, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like uh, DeSantis is on exactly the opposite side of some things that he's on now. For example, when he ran for governor the first time of Florida, he ran as a small business conservative, as a business friendly conservative. But some of his legislation, because it was popular within the Fox News uh, version of Republicanism, he, he ended up becoming very anti-business. Like, for example, um, just to give you an example, I know I know you feel differently about vaccines and masks and stuff than I do. But here's the thing. Remove the masks and the vaccines as a specific thing. If if governor, in my case, Governor um, Newsom were to come to my to me as a business owner and tell me what I can and can't do in terms of my employees, I, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Like, you don't know my business. You don't know my customers. You don't know what I need to provide for my customers. So if my, in, in my case, my a lot of our customers for, for uh, C-Spot Go, they, they were saying, we're not gonna have anybody in our house. We're not gonna have anybody in our building who isn't, uh, um, who's not wearing a mask. So I told my guys, listen guys, wh- however you feel about it in your own time, that's up to you. But if you're going to, you know, this uh, estate or if you're going to this building, you got to wear a mask. And if, if, if Newsom said to me that I can't even say that to my employees, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. You don't know my business. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You either arrest me, you either sue me, and I'll take you to the Supreme Court because I know what you're doing is wrong. And that's ultimately what, what, um, what uh, DeSantis did to companies. He said yeah, but to- in reality, we had places like you know, a Tillis gym in Jersey where they said, we don't need you to wear a mask. We don't need you to do this. And they were arrested for just the opposite of what you're saying. They so didn't I have control over their business, right? I would have. Uh, so in a weird way, I, I, I wasn't as um, skeptical about uh, the effects of, of, of wearing masks. Like I, mm-hmm. it was, it was an inconvenience for me, but I did, it, it wasn't such an impingement on my freedom. I thought it's a one little thing I could do if it makes people feel better, but if a business said, this is our stance, you don't need to wear a mask in our place of business. That's their business. That's what, well, you're allowed to that's their domain. Were you allowed to do that in California? If you were to say, we don't, we want everyone in here and you don't have to wear a mask. Were you allowed to do that in California? 
Um, I, I don't think, I think LA County led the way and said, businesses don't have that, um, they, they, they don't have that option. You, you have to wear a mask in a public place. Aren't you kind of just disagreeing with what you you just said? That's the opposite of what you said, right? No, I'm saying, I'm saying that business owners and individuals should have the freedom to dictate whether they're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. But they weren't able to in California. No, I know. I understand. And I disagree with that too. I disagree with the illiberalism one way or the other. You know who wasn't wearing a mask in businesses in California, all right? What? You know who wasn't wearing a mask in businesses in California, right? You know where I'm going with that? Wait, the (laughs) news. That's right. That's right. That's right. Nancy Pelosi got a haircut, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, no, so I, listen, I, I disagree with with putting the reins on if a business or or a church, for that matter, wanted to. I I felt like, listen, John MacArthur is a big pastor in our valley in Santa Clarita Valley, and um, he felt one way about it when the when the pandemic started. Then about a year into it, he he took a very very different stance and said, no, people are coming to church. Nobody's wearing a mask. Sit close together. Sing. You know, we're going to worship. And for and him, it was so- and nothing happened. You realize that? No, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. Right. A lot of people right. at John's church uh, got got sick at a much higher rate, and and several of my friends, several of my friends died that I don't think should have should have uh, died. So um, I, yeah. I, at the same time, well, I, lost it's like- my, I lost my father-in-law, you know, um, first month to COVID. Um, my AA sponsor, I lost to COVID as well um, very early on. And uh, it was sad. You know, you don't even, you know, these people are in a hospital. That's it. You don't even never talk to them again. You, you have no say in their treatment. You have no say in what's going on. You were banned from the hospital. It was really crazy, crazy time, you know. But I remember here when, like, gyms opened up. We went in. We're like, why were you closed? What were we even closed for? You know, I think it's uh, like you said earlier, you know, the forcing people to do things, people push back on it. And when your government's telling you, you have to do this, you have to do this, and you don't want to do it, you know, that that caused the big uproar. So you had places in Florida where you had a governor that was going to say, you know what, this is what the people want. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. and, 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 And people were happy for that. And I have so many people that were in Florida like, bro, it's great here. It's great here. And I don't recall you know, any of these places that had these super lockdowns having any better results than the places that didn't. I think like New Hampshire was the worst place to be. You know, Florida wasn't leaving the pack in deaths and, 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 you know, um, and, 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 and hospitalizations, they weren't leaving the pack at all. And there was no mass mandates or, or no vaccine mandates. So the science says that, you know, the mandates didn't really work. That's just science. That's not my opinion. I think science dictated, you know, like, we had it here in New York. Everyone was wearing a mask. You know, when the first round, you remember the first round came and everyone was getting COVID? And they're like, but everyone's home. How's everyone getting COVID? I just think it's a virus. It's like a virus in your house. Somebody gets a stomach bug. One person gets it. Four people don't get it. It's it's just hard to control, you know? I think it just scared a lot of people. But then what happened, Corey, was government got so powerful in the ability to tell you what to do. It scared people. Yeah. You know, like they didn't realize how little freedom you have that the government could just step in and say it's a state of emergency. You know, like in New Jersey. Right. He banned summer rentals. Why can't I go rent the house down the shore and sit with my family on a dock if I want to? What is what is banning a rental do? How does that stop COVID from happening? You know, it doesn't. So there was such an intrusion in life that people just went buck wild. Now, if you were for it, then great. But people who weren't for it were like, this is insane. Like I couldn't go rent the house in Belmar. I spent all my summers down the shore and all of a sudden you tell me I'm not allowed to rent the house. And how about the guy that needs to rent the house? You know, like they just killed everything. You know, yeah. in California, there was like you couldn't go to docks. You couldn't go public places like when can you go to a park? You know, we couldn't go to a park here. I remember in uh, there was a graduation. Like so my kids had the proms, you know, I had kids in high school during this. You couldn't go to wrestling matches. You could wrestle. So you would sit on the bench with a mask on, but when you wrestled, you could take the mask off, but then you had to put the mask on. <laughs> it's you like know, going into a, to a restaurant. restaurant yeah. You to, yeah. You had to wear a mask to sit down, but once you sit down, you could take it off. I'm like, what are we doing here? We look like a bunch of jackasses. It was just so ridiculous. Some of this stuff, you know, and yeah. people started being like, I don't want the government in control of my life because the government doesn't know what they're doing. The government's the worst to run things. You know, I don't necessarily agree with that because 
I put like a 42 cent stamp or whatever stamps cost and it gets to you in three or four days. I, I don't know. I, I don't I'm not as cynical about whether the government could do anything or not. Hey, government taught us pretty well. We had good teachers. I don't know if you were in Doc Hussey's class in English or, you know, we had some really good Sa Sandy Van Dyke and drama and Coach Terrell. You know, we had some good teachers, man. So the government can do or cops. Cops are part of the government. I know some guys that are boot great camp cops. with Oscar Gamble, boot camp with Oscar Gamble and Jim. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so just just to clarify, uh, again, like I, I think some of the numbers in terms of numbers of deaths from red states to blue states, you're you're technically correct. But in terms of percentages of people, I think you're incorrect. So <laughs> meaning um, that's like 50 50. I'll take it. <laughs> well, for example, you know, there are less people in North Dakota. Uh, it's it's a pretty red state. But it was um, so, part 100,000, I think. Per, it was part 100,000. So that's but what yeah, I'm saying. But yeah, they're separated. I get it. There's more yes. distance between people. I get it. Yeah. But, but um, you really think the mask work? Yeah, that mask. Yeah. Hold on. Let me give you some background. Okay. So that mask that my daughter kept in her car for six months that was not a new N95 mask, you really think that kept her safe? This is what comes to mind. If I'm going into open heart surgery or one of my loved ones is going into open heart surgery and I look in the operating room and the doctors and nurses aren't wearing masks, I'm going to be really afraid. Right. <laughs> but know? they're wearing N95 zipped up around their face. Now look at the mask people were wearing. They weren't wearing masks. They yeah. were wearing bandanas over their face. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it had wasn't to be about a mask. Remember, it was putting something over your mouth. If yeah. I put panties, I could have went into a place. It wasn't about a. <laughs> That's the thing, Corey. It wasn't about we were wearing medical devices. It was just wear something over your face. I'll tell so you what. I would what. get a mask. I would cut the inside out and and walk around in it. And then people are walking around in face guards. Like, what, what? That's a mask now? It was crazy. I have a proposal. I think you and I should run for president, vice president, a unity ticket. And we're going to run on the campaign of we're going to impose on everybody that you got to wear panties on your face. <laughs> but now, yeah. But now let, let me ask you, who's going to be president? Who's going to be vice president? Oh, uh, we could, you know what? We'll have a wrestle off. We're, Flip a coin. <laughs> we would go back to Terrell and have a wrestle off. We're, what didn't you, you, we, we were on the wrestling team together, weren't we? No, I was too, only in the uh, seventh, eighth grade with Mr. Arbeitman. Remember him? No, I was yeah. too fat. So I was too fat. In high oh school. man. Arbeitman. Yeah, I remember Arbeitman and um, what was the other guy's name? Uh, he 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 loved uh, when, when uh, Davy Lee Roth was coming out with the um, "I'm Just the Gigolo." What was it? <laughs> I don't remember. But let me tell you something. You know who the most famous Manalpin wrestler of all time is right now, right? Stevie Rivera. Mm, I gotta go, Jay Glazier, bro. Oh, Glazier. Yeah, no. So Jay and I, Jay was a year ahead of us. Yeah. And uh, Jay was the reason that I ended up getting my varsity letter. I, I wrestled him off for 119 uh, as a junior. And uh, the next day I beat him. I, it was like a one point match. You know, we were very, very close. We went to wrestling camp together. Was he and, wiggling his fingers in the air during the match? Remember, he used to wiggle he his fingers. He always used to do these like crazy yeah. things <laughs> to try to distract. He was like he was more sizzled than steak. Um, you know, I got very serious my junior year and, and I, I beat him out. The next day he comes in with a big leg brace. He, he, you know, he was trying to, oh, yeah, it was hurt. I'm like, whatever, Jack, I beat you fair and square. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, he's doing good for himself now, man. He's That's doing great, sure. man. Yeah, he's doing yeah. great. Um, but I was curious, have you have you uh, read up on the uh, what McCarthy and Biden just negotiated in terms of the debt ceiling? You know, I don't get into the money. You know, I don't understand the whole thing. We print money. We owe money. We get money. I, I don't get into all that because you know what? I do recall the, the debt ceiling going up when Trump was in office, too. Doesn't it always go up? Like, isn't it just how it goes? I don't get caught up in all that. You know, the next generation. It's it, You know what it is, Corey? We hear the same things every year. Since I'm a kid, Social Security is going to they're going to take away your Social Security. They're going to take away your unemployment. They're, we're going to be in debt. We're going to I don't I don't really know enough about it. And I've heard it so much. I'm like kind of whitewashed from it. Like, I don't even listen to it no more. I didn't really get it, get into two, two into that. You know, everybody's going to scream and yell. And at the end of the day, they just a lot of it's just political points. They're going to sign a deal and they're going to move on. I, I don't I don't know enough about it, you know, to be honest with you. Well, the reason I thought it was um, I thought it was uh it was indicative of a larger issue is it indicated how Biden has been running his administration. Like a lot of friends I know who definitely 
lean right or watch Fox News mostly. They just talk about Biden as like walking around and not having, you know, cognitive. Uh, he, he's cognitively losing it. And well, he's walking around on a good day, you know, on a normal day. He's stumbling. Well, go ahead. Yeah. No. But, you know, if you look at his first two, two and a half years in office, the, the administration's actually gotten a lot done. This latest bat- debt deal, uh, raising the debt ceiling is just one of them. But in particular, in particular, and this is what caught, has caught my attention over these last two, two plus years, is that. It's a lot of bipartisan legislation that's passing. For example, I, I don't know where you stand on guns and stuff like that, but you know, it was Cornyn, John Cornyn, a Republican senator from Texas, who led the negotiations to get, I know it was very modest what they got done in terms of gun legislation. It was really more about health care or uh, mental health, um, but they got something. It was the first anything that they got done on gun legislation in almost 30 years. You know, the other thing that got done was a bipartisan infrastructure deal that might affect you and in your work. Uh, you know, pe- people don't realize it, but like when you see, you know, highways getting, you know, built and, and uh, bridges getting fixed, that's part of the bipartisan infrastructure. But isn't that deal. always and it doesn't in every in every administration, I feel they always pass an infrastructure. They always pass a debt ceiling. They always pass those things. That's the only thing they ever get done. No, I no, else, no, I, I disagree with that because. <laughs> Listen, You're going to you say know, that a lot today, I think. <laughs> you, you know I'm not a Trump fan, but Trump always had like uh, infrastructure week and he made a big deal out of it, but they never got anything passed. You know, but what it, you know, what caught my attention at the beginning of this debt ceiling deal, it wasn't so much the legislation itself, because I think you're right. At the end of the day, it's a lot of theatrics. I knew something was going to get done. They weren't going to, you know, send uh, the U.S. economy on into the, you know, into the abyss, you know, uh, uh, just to just to make a show of how much they hate each other. At the end of the day, what Biden did was he didn't have, you know, uh, the leaders of, of the Democratic House caucus in there. It was him and McCarthy, and that was it. He didn't have the leaders of the Senate in there. It was him and McCarthy, and that was it. They figured it out. You know, but that's and- how they're supposed to see. This is how it's supposed to run. I don't I don't see. I'm not one of those though, like the other side can't ever win. I, I, you know, when when Obama jumped in and helped the auto dealerships out and everyone was screaming, why are we screaming the young? Because he's a Democrat and he did something. I'm OK with that stuff. You know, like, you know, like well, who said it? Elections have consequences. Right. I'm not going to like everything the president does, but I'm not going to go against everything he does either. Because that's where that's how we get where we are. You know, yeah. we got to give the guy the ability. I don't have to like 90 percent of what he does, but I hope 10 percent of it at least helps the country in some way, shape or form. You know, I'm not a big fan of what he's doing with oil or the southern border. But if he could get something done, it's better than nothing. Right. We can't just be obstructionist. Some people just want to be obstructionist to everything. Don't do anything. And then you just have this logger jam and nothing gets done. And that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. You know, it no, just that's- doesn't. That's refreshing to hear voices from the left and right that just kill kill everything. It used to be you had that, but there was the more moderate middle, you know, but now, you know, listen, in fairness, that that deal is getting hammered from both sides, the AOCs and the and the hardcore Republicans. Both sides are you know having a problem. I don't think they got 100 percent of either side to vote for it, but they got it done. And that's how it should get done. Listen, I have to assume if there's a Democratic president and they pass that deal, there's going to be more in it I don't like than like. And I'm going to assume if there's a Republican president, there's going to be more in it there that I like than don't like. And that's just how it's got to be. It depends you know? who the Republican is. I got a Republican in our day. We're a purple district, but we got a re- representative in the House of Representatives that's definitely he's a MAGA Republican. He doesn't represent the purple part of us. He that's represents why, like that's why you live where you do in California. You get the, get the best. Best of both worlds. I get it now. <laughs> it's well, we're very we're very closely divided. We're not like we're not like a lot of L.A. where it leans very, very blue. We're very purple. You know, he won his first election in 2020, our, our uh, representative in Congress, by 333 votes. That's like uh, out of almost 350,000 that voted less than one tenth of one percent. He won by. And yet he. He votes again and again and again with the most extreme wing of the Republican Party. Again, these, these elections, again, very close, right? Aren't they? Well, some of them are. A lot of them Remember are. Remember the just... hanging chads in Florida? Like, yeah. it's like, it seems like that's a lot now. Yeah. All right. So I, I got another couple questions and then we'll start to wrap yeah. up. So this is my what's my, called my TPNR question. Talk of politics and religion not killing each other. What do you think each of us can do to be able, better able to share space with, have better conversations with? even like nurture relationships with people across our differences, people who think differently than we do, who have different beliefs than we do, who get their news from different sources than we do. How can we do better at talking politics and religion without killing each other? Or is it even possible? 
Yeah, it's it's places like this, man. It's like, they, what do they tell you? Like when they train dogs, don't bring another dog into your dog's territory because they're defensive. If you put people from different walks of life in a neutral place and they have a common thing, you know they tend to understand. You could have differences with people when it's not so extreme, right? Like you hear, like um, you know, you take this person away from this group and he acts this way, but you put him in this group and he acts that way. You know, like. You hear this a lot. So people are just, you know, we need, I think I'm going to be honest, it's getting extreme now, but I think that the natural course of life, you know, takes over. Um, I think the more integration of society takes over, you know, these things tend to go away. Like it's crazy. I don't know if we're more racist now or more angry now than we were. I think things go in secular. I think things have to get really bad sometimes to get really good. I think uh, more, positive neutral voices have to come out everything's just so extreme right now you know like you have like people that like so you have these hardcore democrats with reparations well they lived in a period of time when they weren't allowed to use you know water fountains so i get where they're coming from but you have kids today that didn't you know so i think we just have to get to the away from the extremes and we get back to being normal where everyone can have a difference of opinion you know and then we start to see like if we measure you know, what do we measure society by? Do we measure, you know, the black culture by, you know, reparations or do we measure the black culture by there's a lot of success there? So it's what are we going to use to prop up our country? We're going to use the negative things and say the country's bad or are we going to start getting to the positives and start saying, no, the country's not that bad. Yes, we have still ways to go and there's a lot of flaws in this country, but it's not so bad. Look at it here. Look at it there. We're still the greatest country. I don't care what anyone says. You know, you go to other places. We're not even having this conversation. We're not even allowed to have this conversation, you know, so I just think that, um, you know, hopefully in time, you know, but like right now, it's just like this. It's it's so like um, it's so uh, polarized right now, you know, but and it's making it difficult. You know, there's becoming like a real split in this country like I've never seen before. People are really just taking sides, you know, and a lot of it's media driven. Um, um, you know, politics got really big. I don't remember being this big when we were little. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I just think, like I said earlier, everybody's being forced into a corner. You know, like my kids are in school. They're at that age. You know, my daughter wants to go on the swim team. And now there's somebody that decides or whatever. They're born or whatever. You know, they transition. They're a boy. Now he wants to swim in the swim team with her. Well, now you're making me get involved. And now I'm a bigot. I'm a hate. You know what I mean? So people are just everything's getting pushed to the, to the nth degree here because society has gotten to a place. I forget who said it. I don't know if it was Stalin, somebody in one of these places that they, they said, you don't even have to bother America. You know, America will take care of itself just by the freedoms. The freedoms are getting so much that we're just starting to like it's starting to take away from the things that you know we we got to you know as fundamentals like like you said before we have the freedom to protest but the freedom of protest is now taking away the freedom of speech you know where like a milo can't speak at a college campus because everyone's gonna scream and yell at him or you know we just had a supreme court justice like scream down at at a college like how, how did we get to a place like that you know like we got to let people be heard and, and hear opposing voices you know and if we don't allow people to do that if we don't want to listen then you're never going to get nowhere you know we lost the ability to listen yeah yeah and we don't have to disagree but i can try to understand you a little bit better and you know even if even if you can't even if i'm not persuaded at least i can understand a little bit better so uh, I, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I, I'm maybe a little bit more hopeful because I do see you brought up colleges and people being, you know, screamed down at, at colleges and stuff. What I'm seeing and what I'm starting to see, whether it's Stanford, or University of Chicago or, you know, uh, places, places around the country that they're pushing back on that and saying, that's no, what's happening. It's, it's getting pushed back on, you know, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's got to I think it's got to burst the dam to be rebuilt. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Like, yeah. then we have this go on like in the 60s and the 70s. Like, I don't think this is the first time in society we went through this. We're just going through it now, you know, yeah. but I think there's been other periods of time where, listen, there was race wars and crime, you know, 50 years ago. This country was in a rough place. So we're not new to this. It's just new to us. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so. uh you don't have to answer this either. Do you want people to find you online? You want people to, because I know I'm going to get some comments and stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can people find you online? You go up on my Facebook, my name, John yeah. DeLoyne. All right. Um, I don't do Instagram, um, but that's it. Facebook's my only really place where I do, you know, any social media. Um, all right. I'm going to tag you. So, so repost and all that stuff. So people, uh, they, they can uh, shout you down. <laughs> you could tell maybe them Jay Glazier. Them. Maybe Jay Glazier will listen. Yeah, maybe. Fox, <laughs> Fox Sports or something. <laughs> there you go. Did you ever go on his Facebook page? 
I have, but he never got back to me. Like, like we used to be friends. We would go like to some, you, like the wrestling camp together. Go look at one of the pictures he has that he's watching a fight. He's at Sylvester Stallone's house. It's him, Sylvester Stallone, Guy Fieri, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, a couple of comedians, Dolph Lundgren's there. You never see the people he's hanging out with. I know. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. He's in Stallone's house. You see all the Rocky pictures in the back. It's unbelievable. Sugar Ray Leonard was there. It's awesome. Al Pacino. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. No, he's, I mean, he's not just the, the football guy. He's like, he got into MMA, he got into fitness, yeah. you know, so he's kind of made a, um, you know, a whole life for himself in that world. And uh, I think over the last year or two, he's really gotten into mental health and he discovered yeah. some things about his own journey. And, uh, you know, I'm, listen, uh, for all the shit I give him, I'm really rooting for him, you know? So uh, last question before we wrap up, do you have any questions for me? So when you're out there, right, how do you, you come from Central Jersey, right? The views you have now, you asked me how I got to where I am. Did your views change over time, like being on the West Coast? Or how did you get to be who you are? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think one big thing that happened in my life is uh, I grew up very observantly Jewish. You know, I was in Mammoth Heights. So, of course, Mammoth was- Heights, man. That's right. The Jewish <laughs> development. Yeah. So, yeah. no, but we went to Sons of Israel. That was the Orthodox synagogue. So I was very, very observant. My family's, you know, my father to this day wears a yarmulke, keeps mm-hmm. kosher. Um, but in my late 20s, I became a Christian. So uh, I started reading the Bible very differently. There were mm-hmm. more books in the Bible that I was reading, the whole Jesus part of it, the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And um, it started to, I started with theological convictions and arrived at political positions from my theological convictions. So that was one thing um, that really changed the way I started viewing things, Um, taking theology and philosophy very seriously, and then using that as a basis to arrive at decisions on a particular piece of legislation or a particular candidate. Um, So I don't know, a lot of my uh, friends who are Trump fans, for example, think I'm some lefty liberal I'm really not. I'm actually more of a like a live and let live kind of a guy when it comes to social issues. Um, when it comes to business issues, I'm probably a little bit more conservative. But that yeah. the, even the word conservative has like a different meaning because people think of like, you know, Newsmax and OAN yep. when they think of word change. It definitely the word changed over the years. Yeah. But I'm more of like a uh like uh you know balance the budgets kind of a fiscal conservative mm-hmm. you know because i got it with my businesses i gotta balance my budgets you know so um yeah that's but- how it used to be you'd be socially independent and you know conservative when it came to like you know financial issues that's how most people were back in the day yeah yeah a lot of our friends are too a lot of the friends who we graduated high school with but some some people just had like i have a strong reaction against trump I just have a really, really strong reaction against Trump and what he's done to our culture, how he's affected, how we talk to each other, how we think of each other, made everything like this side and that side. And I hate you. And, you know, the one thing that you and I definitely not agree on is like the Yankees are always going to suck. Sorry. I just can't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So who would be your team? My, My baseball team? I live and die with the Mets. I, I, I mean, it's in my blood. You die with the Mets basically. Exactly. The greatest team in history only got one World Series. The 86 Mets might be one of the two. The two. Don't forget ever. about 69. I know it was before we were mm-hmm. born, but 69. No, I, I wasn't was even. Born, I wasn't even in the womb yet. <laughs> I was born bitter, man, because I was born with the Mets DNA. You know, like I was born like ah, oh, wait till next year. Everything sucks. So are world you a Mets, Jets, Islanders guy, or are you one no. of those like? No, Normally no. it's the Giants, the Knicks, the Rangers, and 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 the Yankees. Normally, I'm a little different. My brother is Mets and Jets. I'm Mets and Giants. I couldn't like suffer all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, at least you got the Giants to keep you good. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, diehard Rangers fan, which uh, isn't easy. This this last year, they they really disappointed this last year. But uh, anyway, yeah. So Mets, Mets all the way. Mets is my team. Uh, and now basketball. Or are you not a little bit, guy? you know, I used to, I used to watch, but when I moved out to California, we were very, we, we, we were not financially well off when we moved out here. So I couldn't afford like the cable plans that could get the New York games until the early two thousands. By that time, you know, Ewing was gone. Starks was gone. It wasn't fun to watch them anymore. So, uh, yeah, I did. I got out of the habit of watching basketball, but, um, yeah, I watched a little bit of college basketball. I, I have some friends that went to Duke, so I watched Duke basketball. My wife's from Alabama, so I watch Auburn football, college football. 
That's uh, funny when people say my friends went to Duke. My friends all went to prison. Your friends went to Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got some friends who spent some time, yeah. you know. Nothing yeah. like the 94 Knicks. Nothing like oh, the 94 man. Knicks. Well, and that was fact, a great year. Forget, and people forget, you know, the spring of 94, you had the Rangers and the Knicks back to back. And don't forget, in the middle of that Nick game, we had OJ. OJ, I couldn't watch yeah. the end of the game. I was yeah. so happy yeah. to be watching that game. Yeah. I couldn't watch yeah. it because freaking the white Bronco. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, John, this is a ton of fun, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm so glad was, to, to see it. you and to hang out with you a little bit. I'm serious. I, you know, next time I'm back there, uh, I'm going to give do. you a heads up. We'll, we'll hang out. Please okay? do, man. All right. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. And as always, if you dig what we're doing here, please hit that subscribe button, leave a review and comments wherever you get your podcasts, and tell a friend about talking politics and religion without killing each other. We're easy to recommend. It's www.politicsandreligion.us, www.politicsandreligion.us. Find me online at Corey S. Nathan. It's Corey with an E and S's and Sam at Corey S. Nathan. Now go talk some politics and religion with gentleness and respect, and have a great week. Oh, 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 oh,